0: Hello and welcome to today's Inner Life. Uh, It is June 2nd, Wednesday of the ninth week of Ordinary Time. And uh, it just still is, my mind's kind of reeling with the fact that we're already in June into these summer months ahead of us. And uh, as we look to the summer months, well, I always think of summer reading. And what's your favorite book? What's that one book that you couldn't put down when you were reading it? The one that you always recommend maybe to friends or to family and say, ah, oh, this is the one you really should read. What, what made that book so good for you? The, you know, was it the characters? You just fell in love with them? Or maybe it was the writing style of the author? Maybe it was the lessons that you learned from it, you know, the moral of the story. Well, one of the books that I always tell people, if you only read one classic novel in your life, it should be this one. And this story, it deals with jealousy and treachery and fear of three different men that you're introduced to in the opening chapters of this story. And how it, these, these elements, the, the jealousy, the treachery, the fear, it draws them into ruining the life of the main character named Edmund And they do that by false accusations of treason, and this leads to his arrest and his imprisonment. And I don't want to give away too much if you haven't read the story, but there's definitely some revenge involved, but there's also mercy and forgiveness. Oh, and there's uh, a treasure involved in this one as well. Does this sound familiar to you? Uh, Another hint, it's set in France right after the reign of Napoleon. So any ideas? Do you know what the story is? It's the Count of Monte Cristo by Alexandre Dumas. And I've recommended this book numerous times. I've given it as a gift to pe- different people through the years. Um, I've been thoroughly disappointed with movie adaptations. But I've enjoyed it every time I've read it more and more each time. And I remember the very first time that I read The Count of Monte Cristo. This was in 1999, end of the millennium right there. And I happened to see it on the shelf in our little apartment that we were renting at the time, and it was a lazy summer afternoon, and there wasn't anything good on television, and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll try this one, and so I started reading it, and... It was a little over 500 pages, that copy. Pretty average-sized novel. But I didn't realize at the time that I was reading an abridged version of the novel. 500 pages, and that's the short version, right? So most translations for the full novel, uh, unabridged, they're somewhere between about 14 to 1,500 pages. So if you want to read The Count of Monte Cristo, you're committing yourself to a very serious story. But I read that abridged version in only a couple of days. And I loved it. And the plot, it was so intricate and well-structured, but it kept moving forward with the story with all kinds of action and dialogue and, you know, what's going to come next. It just keeps you in that mode of suspense. And I remember that my wife, Baylen, and I, we went out to dinner. Uh, We were living in Eugene, Oregon at the time. And we went out to this little pizzeria, Round Table pizza, and we were sitting there and waiting for pizza to come. And I was just telling her—this was only a day or two after I had finished reading the story, and so I was telling her all about the Count of Monte Cristo, and I took up most of the dinner, waiting for the pizza, when the pizza came. I just kind of went—but I was, I was telling her this story, and I was bouncing back and forth, uh, you know, things like, well, this happened. Oh, but wait, there was this one thing that happened before that that I forgot to tell you about, and then— They did this, but, oh, and then there's this person who I haven't mentioned yet, uh, and they're really instrumental because they do this. And I felt really bad for Belen as I'm trying to tell her this. I'm sure it was difficult for her to track with the basic plot with me jumping back and forth, trying to recount everything that I'd just read. But she sat there, and she was smiling, and she was listening as I was telling her about the book. And I remember her saying after I kind of got to, okay, well, this is kind of how it wraps up, And she said uh, that she really enjoyed listening to me explain the story, even if I was all over the place, because she said that my enthusiasm and my excitement for the story, it was contagious. It really just pulled her in. And that contagious enthusiasm and excitement, uh, I'm sure you're like me and you've been on the other end of that as well, when somebody talks about one of their favorite books or maybe a favorite movie. And if they talk about it with that passion, and how it made such a huge impression on them, then it makes you want to go read that book or watch that movie. And, you know, sometimes that recommended book or movie, it's a dud. You don't know what that other person saw in it that made them like it so much. But then other times you find a gem, and you're really glad that you took their recommendation. Well, as I mentioned, we're here at the front of the summer months now that we're into June, And just like me over 20 years ago, when I picked up that copy of The Count of Monte Cristo on that lazy summer afternoon, you probably have a few relaxed summer days ahead of you. And so today, we're going to talk about incorporating some spiritual reading into your summer months. Uh, al- along with talking about the importance of spiritual reading you know we're going to also give you some recommendations on what you might try some things you might read if you haven't already some of our favorites and joining me as we talk about spiritual reading and kind of our summer book recommendations one of the regular voices you hear every day here on relevant radio with his daily prayer reflections um, father James Kabicki, he's the director of the st. Francis mission on the Rosebud reservation in western South Dakota father Jim welcome back to the the inner life so have you ever read the count of monte cristo
2: josh i have to admit i have not i have not
0: all right same thing but i I'm... said before if there's one classic <laughs> novel you read in your life that's got to be it
2: i'm i'm i was as you were saying that at the very beginning of the show i started writing that down <laughs> because i'll put that on my my wish list and uh and get a copy of it
0: excellent well um so to start off the hour here It might be good to talk about what we mean when we talk about spiritual reading. Um, Years ago, you shared with me this concept of formative reading and informative reading, and most of the time when we hear that prefix, in, before a word— we We understand it to be the opposite of the word, you know uh, instead of being complete, the lasagna is incomplete; it needs more cheese, or most of the time, my wife comprehends what I 'm saying, but last night she said I was incomprehensible, but that's not the case for formative and informative reading, so can you kind of share with uh, our listeners what formative and informative reading is when it comes to understanding spiritual reading
2: okay well that's a that's a great place to start, Josh um, because You know, when I think of informative reading, I think primarily of the newspaper or magazines or textbooks or other kinds of books that inform us about either current events or teach us um, about a certain subject. Formative reading, on the other hand, is where our minds and hearts are engaged together. So we're not just thinking about what we're reading, but we're also being inspired. Uh, we just celebrated the Feast of um, Pentecost, uh, and the Holy Spirit is the great inspirer, the great inspiration. That word comes from uh, the, the Latin word for breath. and And so when we talk about spiritual reading, we're reading not so much for information, but we're Letting what we're reading, um, let's say, we savor it in such a way we read it prayerfully and reflectively so that not only are, are we perhaps being informed by something, but even deeper, we're allowing what we're reading to form our attitudes, our mind, our way of looking at things, um, our relationship with God. And of course, then, you know, the the greatest book for spiritual reading is the uh, Bible, and that has a a pride of place called Lexio Divina. We talk about it as sacred reading. But beyond the Bible, beyond the scriptures, I think there are many, many different good books that can help form us in our Catholic Christian life. And that's what we want to focus on this hour in our conversation.
0: Well, and kind of like I was talking about there with the Count of Monte Cristo, it made such a big impression on me. The founder of your order, the Society of Jesus, the the Jesuits, um, you have your founder, St. Ignatius of Loyola, who had that similar experience where he uh, was convalescing after an injury from being in battle, wanting to be this big, brave, heroic warrior, and it changed his life by the things he read.
2: That's uh, that's right, Josh, and it's kind of interesting because on May 20th, we uh, celebrated the 500th anniversary of St. Ignatius getting hit by a cannonball during a battle and then having to convalesce from his injury and the resetting of his leg, and while he was in the castle of his family in Loyola, Spain, he was um, bored, and so he asked for something to read, and all they had in the the castle you know he was hoping for a novel which you know is another form of reading um, I would call it entertainment um, some novels have a, a deeper issue a, d- a deeper um, meaning to them much like what you described in the Count of Monte Cristo but um, he wanted something to entertain him because he aspired to be, uh, we would use the word grandee. He wanted to be a, a knight in shining armor for a, a, a fair lady. And so he, he wanted to read things that were the romance stories, the stories of great heroic deeds and and winning the hand of the fair maiden. And they didn't have anything like that in the castle. What they did have was um, a book called The Life of Christ by Ludolf of Saxony, who basically paraphrased the Gospels, and a book of the lives of the saints. And he began reading The Lives of the Saints, and uh, instead of thinking about doing heroic deeds in battle, he began thinking about doing the heroic things that St. Dominic and St. Francis did. And instead of winning the hand of a fair maiden, he wanted to win the hand of, of the fairest maiden of all, our Blessed Mother. And so as he read these books or stories about the Saints, he would uh, go back and forth and as he would um, reflect on what he was reading, he found that his reading left him with an inspiration to want to do the great deeds that these Saints had done and also left him with with a deep sense of peace and consolation. On the other hand, when he would fantasize about going forth and being a knight in shining armor and doing battle to win the hand of the fair maiden, um, when he would think about those things, he'd get excited, but it would leave him feeling empty and dry. And that was the beginning of what he called discernment of spirits. This was the beginning of his conversion. And that's where I I think spiritual reading is not something to be dismissed. It's a a true form of prayer. In fact, some of the saints have said that when we pray, we often think of saying prayers or uh, offering our petitions to God or praising God or thanking God, but it's us doing the talking. Spiritual reading, whether it's the Bible or a good classic spiritual book or a life of the saint, is when we listen when we listen to God and the Holy Spirit speaking to us in our hearts, inspiring us. That's what led to St. Ignatius' conversion, and I firmly believe that if we all engaged in daily spiritual reading, it would help us on our spiritual journey as well.
0: Wonderful. Well, one of the things that it might be good to discuss here too, Father, is what are the best ways to make that spiritual reading the most beneficial for growing in my faith life. if I'm if I'm saying, yeah, I want to nice. do that. and you talked about how there you approach it with a prayerful attitude. And sometimes when you're reading a novel like for entertainment or you're reading through something that is instructional or in informing you on something, you know, the newspaper or you know something that you're reading online about the day's events, um, with those, you're just trying to take in that information. You talked about spiritual reading being that kind of meeting of mind and heart together. So how can we approach, you know, picking up, whether it is the Bible, whether it is, you know, something written by one of the saints or uh, somebody who, you know, we admire uh, Mm -hmm. as, as a fellow Christian or a fellow Catholic, how can we pick up those books and have a really practical way of stepping forward and saying, I want this to help me grow closer in my relationship with Christ?
2: Well, a couple things, Josh. One is, I think it's it's helpful to have a regular routine or schedule um, so that you approach it like one would approach prayer, um, that I'm going to this book this person, this spiritual uh, work, to have my mind and heart fed and nourished and inspired by God. And so then the natural thing would be to ask for that grace. Uh, St. Ignatius is always big on asking for a particular grace that we're seeking. And so I think just a short little prayer before beginning any spiritual reading, uh, asking God to open my mind and heart to receive what he wants me to receive in this time of spiritual reading. And the idea is you don't approach uh, a book uh, for spiritual reading in order to get through it, Um, but that you take it in little pieces, little chunks, and you you pause. If something touches you, inspires you, um, you pause with that and reflect on it a little bit. That's the important part of spiritual reading. One thing I I highly recommend... um, and, and this is something that I myself do, um, I have several different books um, next to my chair in my bedroom, and uh, one of them might be um, a book of, of spiritual um, reading by an author. Uh, for example, the letters of uh, St. Francis de Sales, which I always find very inspiring. Um, and and I'm, I'll read that a little bit and say my night prayers, and then when I get into bed... I usually then have a biography uh, next to me, um, and I'll I'll read um, uh, a little bit about a particular person. And I think that kind of spiritual reading, especially before going to sleep, is very important because, you know, what we feed our imagination with before we go to sleep is is very critical. And whether we feed our imagination, our thoughts with... um, thoughts that lead us closer to God, that uh, inspire us to holiness, that will affect our unconscious while we're sleeping. It may enter into our dreams, uh, but it will have a positive effect on us. Um, So I I highly recommend... um, especially if we're not sure where to begin. Um, There are so many advertisements uh, about the lives of the saints of different uh, people, and I would say begin with a biography just the way St. Ignatius did.
0: Yeah, well, and it can even be somebody that you might already know something about, just... Get to know them better. You know, uh, Mother Teresa, uh, you know, could be St. John Paul II, you know, somebody that that's even from our lifetime, and just learn about them is a great way to start.
2: That's right. You know, something that I, living in western South Dakota and, and uh, using my uh, vehicle to drive a lot of different places, I might have more than eight hours uh, driving to different places, um, and I, I download books to listen to. And one of the ones that I I found really uh, helpful, both informative and formative, was um, a recent biography of Pope Benedict XVI by Peter Seewald, who had interviewed Pope uh, Benedict at different times and was uh, authorized by Pope Benedict to write his biography, and it, it basically goes from the beginning of his, his life and his, his parents, uh, a little bit of their history, up to right after the Second Vatican Council, uh, before he was invited to um, come to Rome as the uh, uh, for the doctrine, uh, for the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And I learned a lot by listening to this book, uh, not only about Pope Benedict, but about the role he played in the Second Vatican Council. Um, so, you know, when we talk about spiritual reading, uh, even when we're in the car, our choice of books can be very helpful, again, not only in informing us about people like Pope Benedict, but also forming our our imaginations as we're inspired by those lives.
0: All right, very good. Our spiritual director today, Father James Kubicki, He's the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota. We're talking about spiritual reading and coming up next, we're going to dive into some of our favorite books, those books that have really made that impression on our lives uh, in our growth, of our faith, of our relationship with Christ, but also, what book has been instrumental for you in your faith life? We'd love to hear what those are and uh, maybe it'll give all of us some great books that we can look to this summer, we can incorporate into our spiritual reading our studio line is open right now 888-914-9149 914 9149 and you can email us innerlife at relevantradio.com and we'll continue this conversation in just a moment here on relevant radio and the relevant radio app catholic order of foresters is proud to sponsor the relevant radio studio line for information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forrester.
1: Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors one 914 9149 That's one 914 9149 This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Welcome back and thanks for listening. I'm Josh Raymond along with our spiritual director, Father James Kubicki, director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota. And we're talking about spiritual reading, uh, especially going to be looking at some great book recommendations that we might be able to incorporate into our summer reading. And what's been that book that's been instrumental in your faith life? What's the one that you always recommend for someone who wants to grow deeper in their relationship with Christ? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 914 9149 And uh, Father Jim, uh, right off the air, we were both talking briefly and I mentioned, well, I only have one non-Catholic author author in the different books that I kind of have as some of my top-tier uh, spiritual readings. And you said, oh, you have the same author, C.S. Lewis, as one of yours. So what's your C.S. Lewis book?
2: Well, Josh, uh, there's so many that I love. And just to give a little background, when I was in high school, I um, and maybe eighth grade, as early as eighth grade, somehow in a comic book there was an ad for the Lord of the Rings trilogy, J.R.R. Tolkien. And I read the. I really like that. It's you know both uh, entertaining, but also the the deeper message there, the battle between good and evil. And so when I got to high school in the late '60s, in our high school bookstore there was a trilogy, and I thought, oh, mm-hmm. trilogies are cool. I'll I'll read this trilogy next. And it was a trilogy by C.S. Lewis called the Space Trilogy. And again, I I found myself so moved by what I read that uh I thought the uh, in fact that there were parts of the of the book i'm going to go to confession here as a, as a high school student where I was supposed to be tough. I remember having tears being so moved by some of the things I read in c s lewis 's space trilogy. then, when I was nineteen, I entered the Jesuits, and our novice director had done his dissertation uh for sacred theology on c s lewis and he introduced us to the Narnia tales, the great divorce, the screw tape letters, uh, the problem of pain. Uh, and I've always found C.S. Lewis to be uh, uh, not only uh, inspirational, but also entertaining. In, in the things that he's written. So that was my experience of C.S. Lewis.
0: Right, and I've read many of those. I, I never have read the third story in that space trilogy. I've read the first two, but I've never made it to the third book. Um, it's on my shelf. It's one of those that I know I, I'm going to try and get around to. But I had put down as uh, maybe my top recommendation from him, Mere Christianity. And that, for me, I was just like you probably, I'm guessing maybe 14 or 15 years old, and it's this great introduction to the basics of Christianity, and it was originally actually given as radio talks by C.S. Lewis. So I think maybe at least not including his books that are you know novels or works of fiction that are bringing in some of those spiritual or Christian uh, the truths there into what he's working with some different allegories um, with. Mere Christianity, for me, it's probably one of the most accessible and readable books on the faith, and I also find that this book has so many different Catholics and Protestants alike that quote... C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity, it kind of reminds me of St. Augustine. It doesn't matter if you're Protestant or Catholic, everybody loves to go back and quote St. Augustine, too. So he, he's kind of like a, a modern-day one for that. You know, he, just, he bridges that, that, you know, any of those kind of divisions that we might have as Christians on different theological or dogmatical kind of points. Uh, C.S. Lewis really seems to be able to uh, uh, bring everyone together with some of the fundamentals of what we believe.
2: Yes, yeah. The mere Christianity certainly is a great summary of um, the Christian faith, and you know, as you were talking about that, I was I thought of another book that I found very helpful along the same lines, and it's called uh, A Map of Life by Frank Sheed, and uh, again, it's a great explanation of of who God is and who we are and how God uh, sent His Son to save the world. It's just a short little. Uh, explanation of the Christian faith. So um, those are uh, both informative and inspirational, right. and his his works of fiction, uh, I think, are entertaining as well as formative.
0: Well, and you mentioned Frank Sheed, and he uh, his uh, translation is the one I've read of, St. Augustine's Confessions, um, and so that's a great one. But another one that I really love by Frank Sheed is Uh, theology and sanity. And again, like you say, it's informative as well as formative because it's this very thorough overview of Catholic theology. But not only what we believe, but he gives the basis for why we believe it. Um, He gives extremely logical explanations. And I found myself with that one really kind of taking my time. Um, Last week, I ended up speaking with a different priest, and we were discussing— The Trinity, and I think in Theology and Sanity, Frank Sheed gives the best explanation, even though it's still, you know, going to be to a degree incomprehensible because we're talking about a mystery of our faith with the triune God. But he just gives such a great explanation, and I found myself going back and rereading certain lines again and again just to kind of mull it over, just think about it, just reflect on it. So Frank Sheed, I think, is an excellent author, too. Uh, what what's what's next on your list father
2: well the one, the one that i I found this I ran into this later uh, when I was a, a jesuit and uh, in terms of biography and and um, being inspired by somebody's example is uh, a book by a Jesuit whose cause for canonization has been opened up, so he's known as a servant of God, and his name is Father Walter Chiswick. C-I-S-Z-E-K, a good Polish name. And he wrote a book about his experience in uh, both the Gulag of of Soviet Russia, uh, the Soviet Union, but also uh, when he was in exile there. And he he called the book, uh, his memoirs, He Leadeth Me. And it's not only a wonderful, gripping account of how he survived uh, being in um, Lubyanka, the prison in Moscow, and then being exiled to Siberia. But, but his reflection on it, and in particular, many people have called Walter Chizik the saint of, of providence, because what he learned as, as he went through this terrible experience is how um, God's will provident will is not something out there, but we find it in the daily events of our lives, where God is calling us at whatever given moment to let go and and to trust God and to let God lead us. So uh, the title, He Leadeth Me, I I found that to be uh, a very inspiring book that I've gone back to again and again.
0: Well, and Father uh, Walter Chiswick, if I remember correctly... He was in Siberia there in the Gulag for, I want to say, like 20, 25 years, something like that, before he was finally released, and even his family thought he was dead. They didn't expect to ever see him again, thought he had died there over in the Soviet Union.
2: That's right. The the Jesuits even um, had—we have a custom that when a Jesuit dies, uh, the members of his province— who are priests, offer a mass for the repose of his soul. And the Jesuits had already done that because they had not heard from him for so long. He was in Lubyanka in Moscow, the prison there during World War II, then was sent into exile in Siberia into the 50s. Then he was released from um, the Gulag uh, but was kind of in house arrest uh, in different cities, where he worked as an auto mechanic, and, and finally, in uh, around 1961 or two, he was uh, finally released in an exchange where um, the Soviet Union released him in exchange for uh, some Soviet spies in the United States.
0: Yeah, okay. So, Father Walter Chiswick, a great read there as well. Um, I'll throw out one other one that I—it just made such a big impression on me, and I think it's probably going to be one of the most popular books out there for spiritual reading. It's The Story of a Soul by St. Therese of Lisieux. And for me, that was such a beautiful read, Father, because, um, you know, she—her love for Jesus— And her desire to do everything out of love for him, it's just infectious in this book. And this is one of those, at least for me, if you're listening to this program today and you have not read that book and you want to uh, just be inspired to grow in your love for Christ and do those acts of love for Christ, uh, The Story of a Soul by St. Therese is just a top-notch read. Have, Have you read that one, Father?
2: Oh yes, uh, in fact, and here in my office I'm looking at a first-class relic of Saint Therese right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that book, yeah, I know, you know, because of religious art, um, Saint Therese looks very saccharine, uh very unapproachable, maybe. Um, but her story of a soul, which really brought her to be known by people throughout the world, uh, it's what made a difference. She died an unknown Carmelite sister in the eighteen around 1897, and um, it was publishing of her book, which basically she had been required to write this by her religious superior, uh, talking about growing up and and life in the convent and, and her approach to the spiritual life. And it's by no means a saccharine or too sweet or that kind of thing. It's, it's really down-to-earth spirituality for the average person.
0: Mm. Uh, Father James Kabicki is our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life. We're discussing spiritual reading, especially looking at head to the summer months, and uh, maybe some good book recommendations that we can all incorporate into our lives in our spiritual reading. What's been that book for you that's been instrumental in your faith life? What would you recommend if someone wants to grow deeper in their relationship with Christ? Our studio line is 888-914-9149. And Father, we've got Sister Elizabeth who is listening in Los Angeles. Hi, Sister Elizabeth. Welcome to The Inner Life today. What's, what's a book you'd recommend?
3: Okay, well, the book I would recommend is The Family That Overtook Christ. It's the story of St. Bernard and his family. Uh, Father Raymond, I believe, is the author. He was a Cistercian. And for me, that book um, helped me. It meant so much to me because it helped me to see how God, if I let God work in my life, great things can happen. It's a wonderful book, and um, because for me, spiritual reading has been so important in my own life. And as a religious, we come together every day for 30 minutes of spiritual reading and community. And it's not easy to persevere in the spiritual life. And for me, spiritual reading has been an important um, component of my perseverance. To
2: this oh, day. wonderful. So it's very important
3: for me. Yes.
2: Perfect. Thank you, thank you. I, I wrote down that suggestion, because I, I was aware that uh, St. Bernard, feeling the, the call from God um, with his winning personality, uh, brought so many of his family along with him into the monastery. Uh, but th- That sounds like a great read. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks for the call, Sister Elizabeth. Uh, Father, we've got Anne-Marie, who's listening in Westbrook, Maine. Hi, Anne-Marie, you're on the air with Father Jim Kabiki.
4: Hello, Father. <clears throat> the book that uh, has made a great impression on my life and still does, uh, I'm a 79, is The Seven-Story Mountain by Thomas Merton. I was 15 years old, and I just picked it at random from a library list. And also, L'Histoire du Name by St. Thérèse de Lisieux, because I'm bilingual and there are so many other books and i've kept right along with merton and i've kept right, right along with with uh, uh, sister uh, uh, the little flower and so many others so i, I, I have i have uh, booklets with lists and uh i remained in the single life and uh, that's where i was called although the trappistines were a big call thing uh, but I remained in a single life. I taught for 40 years, and those books have imprinted my heart, and they will write through eternity.
2: Yes. Great suggestions, Anne-Marie. I remember reading uh, Seven Story Mountain years ago, uh, but... It, it introduced me to this figure, Thomas Merton, and so I've, I've read a number of his spiritual works, but also uh, biographies of him. In fact, I'm right now reading the memoirs of uh, a man by the name of Jim Forrest, who was very involved in the peace movement during the 1960s, and who corresponded with Thomas Merton. And uh, so that that's a great suggestion for us, uh, and then, of course, St. Therese as well. Thank you for calling in.
0: Yeah, thanks, Anne-Marie, and Father... We have a number of other calls I want to get to, but I know we need to take a time out here. So I'm going to throw out the studio line one more time, 888-914-9149, talking about those book recommendations. What's that one spiritual reading book that you would recommend to somebody and say, this is the one you have to read, it's made such a difference in my life, why did it make that difference for you? And we'll uh, continue the conversation with more book recommendations for our summer spiritual reading here on The Inner Life, coming up next here on Relevant Radio and...
1: this is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond along with our spiritual director, Father James Kubiki. He's the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota. Talking about spiritual reading, especially looking ahead to the summer months, and some great book recommendations. And uh, you can call in with that favorite spiritual book of yours, What Has Been Instrumental in Your Faith Life, that book that's helped you, that you recommend to someone if they want to grow deeper in their relationship with Christ. Our studio line, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father Jim, also before we move on to some of our other recommendations for listeners, too, You have a couple books that I've uh, read through. One is Rediscovering Devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, A Heart on Fire. And then the other one, A Year of Daily Offerings, that has a number of your different uh, prayer reflections that people can hear on relevant radio. So a couple couple of great books that people can incorporate into their spiritual reading.
2: Well, thank you for that shout-out, Josh. Yeah, I, I wrote a book about the Sacred Heart. It's, I think, great spiritual reading for the month of June uh, because it's meant to also have It has prayer exercises. And then the Daily Reflection book, it, it's where I took since you know 2007. I've been doing those daily reflections on Relevant Radio, and I thought, I've got a wealth of material here. Let's put that into uh, a book form. And so uh, that's also available. It's called A Year of Daily Offerings from Ave Maria Press
0: wonderful. Well, uh what's what's another book recommendation you might give for somebody that's listening today saying, "Oh yeah, is there something else maybe I can I can look at this summer?"
2: Yes, I I one of my favorite authors is Jacques, so the French Jacques Philippe P-H-I-L-I-P-P-E, just like Philip but with two P's, and uh his books are very brief but just wonderful. One is called Searching for and Maintaining Peace, and I have found that very helpful for myself uh, when I sometimes get stressed out. And another one is called Interior Freedom, which I highly recommend for anyone who is feeling any kind of scrupulosity or uh, fear of God, Um, Interior Freedom by Jacques Philippe. So those are a couple of recommendations I have, and I recommend that author
0: very highly. Wonderful. Well, I've got uh, another one that I would highly recommend, too, uh, and it's by another saint, Introduction to the Devout Life. You mentioned St. Francis de Sales as one of your books that you have in your bedroom that you'll read through his letters. Um, but the, the Introduction to the Devout Life, that book, it, it really helped me— in the way that I viewed my interior life. And there was one section, especially where St. Francis, um, he goes through different aspects regarding sin and purging what he calls this fond, lingering look back at sin um, you know, that we have. And he, he looks at Lot's wife and how she looks back as Sodom and Gomorrah are being destroyed and how we sometimes can look back. And uh, the illustration that he gives is, if there's a sick man who has his doctor tell him, you can't eat any more melon. You know, no no cantaloupes, no honeydews, uh, it'll kill you. Uh, but that man will still, if he still longs for melon, you know, he talks about it constantly. He suggests when he might be able to sneak a bite of melon, if uh, someone else is eating a melon around him and he, he just will sniff that aroma. Um, you know, this is how many of us, we will look at sin with that longing, and this is a crucial first step in changing our outlook on sin, how it is death to our soul. It's, it's something that we shouldn't long for, it. we shouldn't look back fondly, we need to recognize it for what it is. But that, that book really made an impression on me.
2: Yeah, that's that's uh, one of the books I'd recommend as well. I, in fact, I brought a bunch of books with me, and knowing we would have this interview, and it's right here in my hand.
0: Well, good, good. Well, we're in such simpatico here, Father. <laughs> so, well, Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Deacon Tony listening in Lombard, Illinois. Hi, Deacon Tony. Welcome to the Inner Life today.
5: Hi. Yes. Yeah, good. Good, after, good afternoon. I have a, a recommendation and a question. Uh, The question is, uh, I have parishioners who um, want to do more spiritual reading on the Eucharist. Um, They would like, if they can, get their hands on uh, um, the Eucharistic prayers uh, that we use at Mass in print, as well as other spiritual reading on the Eucharist. So that's my uh, question. My recommendation, of course, is Story of a Soul, St. Therese, and the Life of Christ by Fulton Sheen.
3: Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Yes, that that's a
2: classic as well well Deacon Tony I'm I'm not sure you know I'm sure there's a book out there that goes through the Eucharistic prayers and where they came from and and what they mean it's funny you should mention um, reading more about the Eucharist because um, two books that I I also have right here in front of me that I'm gonna plan on reading in July because July uh, we usually get uh, gospel readings weekday readings from John chapter 6 about the, um, about the Eucharist. Uh, we get those during the year that we go through Mark's Gospel. We have a whole series in July uh, on Sundays from John chapter 6. And one book that I have, a favorite author of mine is Peter Kreeft, K-R-E-E-F-T. He has a book called Symbol or Substance, a Dialogue on the Eucharist with C.S. Lewis, Billy Graham, and J.R.R. Tolkien. So he kind of imagines the three of them and how they might engage in a dialogue on the Eucharist. And then another one that I just ordered and it came in last week is called Real Presence, What Does It Mean and Why Does It Matter? by Timothy P. O'Malley. So um, there there, you know, a lot of good books on the Eucharist out there. I'm not exactly sure what I would recommend, though, in terms of understanding the Eucharistic prayers better.
0: Well, Deacon Tony, thanks for calling in, and, and Father Jim, he also mentioned the one book by Fulton Sheen, and uh, I, I am a huge fan of the Venerable Fulton Sheen, the Archbishop, um, originally from Illinois, but then uh, served in New York. And one that I had read a couple of years ago, it's an anthology. It's called The Cries of Jesus from the Cross. And it's actually a compilation of seven seven different books that Fulton Sheen wrote on the seven last words of Christ on the cross. And I ended up reading one chapter— each morning, over the course of seven weeks, forty-nine days, and it—it it, really—he just has such wonderful insights and looks at what Jesus is saying on the cross from different angles in each of these different books. And uh, you know, if you—if you do that, if you read one chapter per day in this book, then you have a whole week where you're reflecting on the first saying from the cross. You know, Father, forgive them. They know what—not n- what they do. And then the next week, you're looking at the promise to the thief on the cross. Today, you will be with me in paradise, and you keep on going. But um, it really is just a beautiful, beautiful um, uh, examination and ability to just enter into what Jesus is saying there and how uh, what these words mean to to us as his followers, just as they would have to the early disciples, the early apostles. Um, but Fulton Sheen just is um, he. You know, he had such Uh, great information that he would share and the way he would explain the faith in both his radio program and his television program. But uh, reading his words, it just brings to life. I can hear his voice as I read those words.
2: Yeah, he's another great author I'd recommend as well.
0: Well, Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got uh, Joe, who is listening in Arizona. Hi, Joe. Welcome to The Inner Life Today. You're on the air with Father Jim.
5: Good morning. Thank you for taking my call Two books I uh, recommend are uh, The Diary of St. Faustina and The Imitation of uh, Christ. The Imitation of Christ I'm reading now that's kind of given me some strategy and tactics for getting better at life. Um, The Diary of St. Faustina, I've been able to, through Kindle, copy some words and put it in my phone, uh, some of her prayers when she did adoration before the Eucharist that I've been able to recite, you know, uh, about how the Eucharist is, you know, our save, saving uh, grace and all the, and our adversaries of life and everything when she goes through that passage. I don't have it in front of me to say specifically where, but it was a very fascinating read from cover to cover. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you, Joe. Those are great suggestions. And uh, they're a reminder, I think, to all of us. Again, spiritual reading is not something that you you read, you know, for long periods. But uh, each of those recommendations, Saint Faustina's diary and the Imitation of Christ, you can take in little doses. So if you spend ten minutes a day just reading one little piece of the Imitation of Christ, that's something that the founder of the Jesuits, Saint Ignatius, he carried a copy of the Imitation of Christ with him, and he would read one short chapter a day for the rest of his life. So, great suggestions,
0: Joe. Thanks. Father Jim, we've got Bill, who's listening in Long Beach, California. Hi, Bill. Welcome to The Inner Life today. What's your book recommendation?
3: Hi, good morning. Yeah, uh, good morning. I'm a longshoreman down here, and I have—I uh, really like this series on ancient Christian writers, and especially the letters from St. Antioch, I believe, of—St. Uh, Ignatius of Antioch, and they're really beautiful letters, and uh I would actually, once I read them, I would drop them off and just leave them at places at my work. And over the years, I've actually seen it come back to a table where it's someone had picked it up and read it, and then it's back there again. And it's really neat to have brought those letters out in this report, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so, mm-hmm. those, are, those are the Ancient Christian Writers series is really good. There's plenty to, you know, to, to go through.
2: Right. Bill, that's a great reminder. I mean, early on in the church, you know, uh, I think it was um, Scott Hahn, Dr. Scott Hahn and others have said, you know, that if we really read the fathers of the church, these ancient Christian authors, um, they would uh, confirm us in our Catholicism. And and it would lead people to see that you know the beliefs of Catholicism go way back, and certainly Saint Ignatius of Antioch, uh, he was one of the earliest ones, and uh, his again his witness as he was on his way to martyrdom, and the courage that comes through his letters is just amazing. So thanks for that suggestion, Bill.
0: Yeah, uh, Father, we've got Roseanne who's listening in Brooklyn. Hi, Roseanne. Uh, what's your favorite book that you'd recommend to uh, others who are listening?
3: Hi, I love this show. Um, I, I would recommend "Abandonment to Divine Providence" by Jean-Pierre de Cossade. Um, it just—it changed my life. Um, I had just come. I was a fallen-away Catholic, came back to the church. My philosophy teacher at Fordham, most wonderful woman I ever met, uh, said to me, "You need to read this book," and it just it's brought me through this is 30 years ago it brought me through every crisis i've ever been in i've i've bought it i've given it away i've rebought it and i, I just i can't recommend it enough it just keeps you in the present moment totally trusting god
2: That's uh, another great suggestion, Roseanne, and you know, as we strive to live one day at a time and trust in God's love and providence, uh, certainly uh, De Cossade is a great author for for doing that. So thanks for that. Abandonment to Divine Providence by uh, De Cossade is, is his
0: last name. All right, thanks, Roseanne, for calling in, uh, Father Jim. We've got Bob who's listening in San Francisco, and it sounds like he's recommending a book by a fellow Jesuit. Hi, Bob. Uh, what's your book recommendation?
5: Yes, I'm out here in the land that sort of leans towards the technology. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the Souls' Upward Yearning by Father Robert Spitzer, and it's actually a series. It's it's absolutely amazing.
2: Yes. Bob, I I'd highly recommend the, uh, that author. I know him, and uh, in fact, I was asked to uh, do a short little in, uh, endorsement of the second uh, volume of that series. And it, it is—I was easy to do the endorsement because it's so practical and down to earth. And uh, he is a great author too, Father Bob Spitzer.
0: All right. And Father, we've got enough time, I think, to get maybe one more call in. Let's go to Julie. She's listening in Portland, Maine. Hi, Julie. You're on the air here with Father Jim Kabicki.
3: Hi there. Well, speaking of the Eucharist and Dr. Scott Hahn, um, it all comes together in this book, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist, by Brant Petre, Petre, P-I-R-T-R-E. And uh, Dr. Scott Hahn actually wrote the foreword of this book, Um it blew me away talking about the Old Testament um, connections to the Eucharist. And if, if there's any Catholics out there, and I know there are, who are questioning the divine presence in the Eucharist, just you, you've got to read this book. You won't be able to put it
2: down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't read it myself, but uh, it's certainly on my wish list, because uh, I've heard great things about that, and to uh, help us understand that the belief in the Eucharist is in continuity with uh, with the Jewish tradition. It's, it's great. Thanks for that recommendation, Julie.
0: Yeah, thanks for calling in, Julian. Thanks to everybody who did call in. I'm so sorry for those of you who are still on hold and we weren't able to get to your call, but we're just out of time here. But, Father, before we wrap up the hour, um, could you offer a final blessing to all of our listeners today? We've got about maybe ten seconds here. Sorry. Okay.
2: Well, (laughs) may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you all forever and ever. Amen.
0: Amen. Father James Kavicki, Director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud reservation in Western South Dakota. He's been our spiritual director. And if you want to go back and listen to the entire program if you joined us partway through and want to hear some of those other book recommendations for your summer spiritual reading, go back and listen to the podcast either at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Thanks to Jim Shaper and Patrick Aglog for their help today. Stay tuned, of course. We've got Mass coming up next. Uh, Father Edward Looney is our celebrant today and we'll see you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow. Very, very uh, (laughs) great show in store for us, talking about the spiritual works of mercy. We'll talk with you then, here on The Inner Life.